Cognitive Rampage podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lowry, as usual. My guest today is Renee M. Gagnon. I think I said that right. She corrects me in the podcast anyway. It's French and awesome. I tried to say it right, but Gagnon? Gagnon? I tried. I'm trying, but um, anyway, she is amazing. I have to tell you, if there was any way that we should be talking about marijuana, this is how you should do it. The It's not even an argument, what Renee says. I think it's probably one of the most brilliant ways to talk about this that's collective on both sides, both capitalists and socialists, liberals, etc. But she has an extensive entrepreneur resume and very focused in marijuana. She is the CEO of Cannabis Century Incorporated in Canada, the founder and former CEO of Canada's first five commercial marijuana licenses. She's an inventor, proud supporter of women's of women grow, the one of the first women to get one of the licenses to grow cannabis, a consultant to all things grow marijuana from operation systems to sales to um, middle uh, transportation, delivery, processing, everything, you name it, all things cannabis. Renee is that. So uh, we are going to learn as we normally do. I'm going to uh, take a long adventure down the road of learning of cannabis to see where it's at. You know, it's not every state yet in the United States. I believe I read here that she only works or consults with companies within the United States, not Canada. So we'll see why and what that's about. Um, see, I can read a little summary for her. Calls herself a serial startup founder, a skilled at survival stress and team building. Um, let's see. To find, retain, and employ some of the best people in the sector. Uh, oh, and the one thing that uh, I wasn't going to touch on much, but uh, Renee is transgender. So, uh, let's see. She writes that I am, bo- I am both the first transgender publicly traded marijuana company CEO and the first female one. So, let's check, check. Uh, I use this insight to create a diverse workforce with strong female leadership across the organization. Uh, after exciting Thunderbird Biomedical Incorporated in January 15 as founding CEO and board member, she chose to focus on the U.S.-based infrastructure and supply delivery for the cannabis industry. Uh, let's see, that's speaking to the founder and CEO of Thunderbird Medical Incorporated. That is where she created the fifth licensed federally sanctioned medical marijuana companies in Canada, uh, built a core team, created executive business plan, $3.7 million in funding, and took the company public with a $25 million valuation and IPO. Founder, 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 founder. Definitely a serial startup founder. Uh, financial services, Dirt Media Corporation, uh, Cuban cigar retailer. Man, deep. I like it. And then into this new venture. I'd like to see why. Uh, why decided to why deciding to take that turn. I've uh, been in the business a long time now. Uh, Renee was just speaking at, <clears throat> excuse me, we were scheduled to actually uh, record this podcast last week. <clears throat> Man. Um, but we had to move it to this week because she was speaking in Denver at the Women's Grow Summit. So we had to move it to this week. Um Let's see. I got a background from her associate and partner, uh, Gil Poland, who uh, has been communicating with us. 
he's a nice guy, but let's see, he emailed a little background on Renee. Back in 2013, Renee was able to secure an R&D license from the Canadian government, which we then used to help apply for an MMPR license. MMPR is a marijuana for medical purposes regulation and is the legal medical cannabis program there in Canada. Her company, Thunderbird Biomedical, was granted federal license number five. She then took the company public on the TSX with a $25 million valuation IPO, which I just read. <clears throat> um, yeah. yeah, she's a strong voice for the female gender. Her latest venture, a cannabis center, is poised to achieve all that and much more. Uh, I'm looking forward to hear about uh, CC, as it's referred to. Uh, you can look Renee up on Twitter as well, at Renee M. Gagnon. Gagnon, R-E-N-E-E-M initial, G-A-G-N-O-N. That's at for Twitter. And LinkedIn is the same as the name. Specialties. BMP Marijuana Design and Licensing. Security Systems and Design. User Interface Design. Web Application Development. E-Commerce. Payment Modeling. Prototyping. Project Management. Creating amazing things on a shoestring meeting deadlines. Being ahead of the curve and being calm under pressure. So this is your marijuana consultant. All things right here. Yeah, we were messing around with a little bit in Florida, but it's so finical. Not finical, isn't it? Finicky down here in Florida. Um, you never really know. It's supposed to be back on the ballot again. Uh, didn't pass last time, but I don't know. From what I hear, they're doing things way different down here. It's not going to be any nonprofit um, dispensaries setting up with co-ops, etc. I'm hearing it's going to be for-profit setup and prescription-related, not to where you get a card and then go to a dispensary, but perhaps you get a prescription from your doctor and then have it filled at CVS, Walgreens, etc. That's just what I'm hearing. But I don't know. There's a lot of lawsuits going on in the state of Florida. There were a lot of growers here set up to get to work for um, not only processing the CBD oil, which passed already the CBD version, which is the lesser strain. the tend to be about 3 to 4% THC still, but uh, for medical use. And then looks like they only passed out four licenses coming up, and it was supposed to be more than that. And so some companies are taking the state to war for that, and we'll see where that outcome lays. Uh, you never know. But it's a huge market. I mean, we can't deny it any longer, the effects of marijuana. It's just reality, people. I mean, you can stay brainwashed if you want to with the rhetoric and the propaganda that's been shoved down your throat forever, or you can wake up. And you can notice that marijuana could replace the top five prescription th synthetic drugs that are used today. And reduce it reduces alcohol consumption. It, it has increased the budgets of the states that have legalized tremendously. It's lowered the crime rate and everything. Murder rates down. Alcohol consumption's down. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, and from a, a, a another perspective, in mental health, I think this avenue has not been touched enough it's been you know mostly heavily studied for uh uses for replacing opiates which is great because we do have an opiate epidemic that's spreading but there's been some awareness brought to that attention with um you know documentaries like prescription thug and uh prescription thugs by chris bell he was on the show uh just before that documentary came out and it went all over he's killing it 
And that awareness is what I think has helped bring in that, bring that change. But, you know, uh, cannabis can replace a lot of those psych meds as well. You know, for alcoholics, I've seen people that have just switched and don't drink anymore. I have heard tales of bipolar, uh, how it levels uh, bipolar people out and keeps consistent without heavy cycling. I have read studies and seen research about it replacing ADHD medications like Adderall and Vyvanse, but um, all sorts of things. It goes on and on and on. Uh, what it can be used for, pain regulation, which is not very heavy, not for heavy pain medica- regulation, but still. Uh, focus, attention, I mean, heck, there's all kinds of reports that it it cures, prevents, all kinds of cancer-causing or cancer-prevention agents. I mean, it's a, a, a wonder plant, really. I mean, that's not even talking about all the things we can do with hemp. I mean, by besides replacing cotton, saving our lands, reducing agriculture, and making everything out of it. But look it up. That competence is out there. You know, there are those much more educated than I on this topic and all the things that it can do. Um, you know, a lot of what you hear from me is parroting from research that I find. So when I have someone like Renee on, I try to get more competent, ask more questions about what it's like on a uh, more North American scale, perhaps even a global scale. I can get some information here too, but... uh if you're stuck in those ways of what you think it is, whether you think it's a gateway drug or any other rhetoric propaganda that's been falsely sold for so long, I'd urge you, please do the research. Please do the wake up part. I mean, you really got to look at it. We can't be biased in our choices because perhaps you or someone you know has had bad experiences with it and you blame the cannabis rather than, you know, what the person was going through, the situation, <clears throat> you know. So bad experiences on your personal level shouldn't affect the access to those that it truly helps. And there's a lot of people out there that need that kind of help. They just, they really do. And whether it's maintenance or to get by or prevention, it doesn't matter, you know. And we live in a free world, so... I mean, I'm for legalization of everything, personally. I mean, if you choose to do something, you choose to do it. And suffer those consequences uh, accordingly. But, I mean, we have one side screams freedom and let us go and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But only so far, right? You can't choose everything you want to. (laughs) We got to regulate that, too. But, I mean, psychedelics even goes into that as well, you know. Uh, I'm a fan of the psychedelic research, have been for years now. I've been posting on Twitter for a long time that I think microdosing of psychedelics will replace antidepressants and by 2025. And I believe that. There's uh, been some amazing research with psychedelics on PTSD, alcoholism, and Iboga, all kinds of things, you know. And there's a new uh, plant that I heard that's come out. And let me pull the name up of this thing. It is a Cranton. Um, Cranton is pretty wild. It has some uh, healing properties to it, a pain remedy, perhaps. Um, and some research has been showing that it may actually treat some people with addiction to pain pills with the opiate addiction. So not only are we seeing cannabis do that, but this Cranton plant may be doing the same. So, uh, it's it's amazing, you know, just what exists in nature, you know. 
we don't always have to perfect everything or make it better. Sometimes it's just there for us. And if we can find a way to utilize what's available for us, we can do amazing things. But anyway, uh, that was a very long intro uh, and well-deserved. And, well, let's get to the podcast. This is my friend, I'm going to try one more time, Renee Yegyong. Hey, how are you doing? All right. I thought I thought I'd broken something. No, no, I think uh, my internet just uh, freaked out. But you know, like I was saying, we do it so much that I get you know six, seven, eight, sometimes nine, ten minutes to do an intro. So oh, wow, yeah, and uh, I like it. You know, I get to freestyle, and so I got a lot of your info pulled up. So uh, we can just assume that the resume has been gone through. No, oh, okay. Uh, well, I, I noticed the uh, background. I love the serial entrepreneur. That's noticeable as, as a founder of everything. What was the first business that you started? Or maybe if you want to go farther back than that, you know, what, what got you into entrepreneuring? What was the plan? Well, um, it was, I don't know. I had a really early bug, uh, an urge to sell stuff. And infamously, one day I got it into my head that um, there was a telethon for Jerry's kids and they needed money. So my solution was to set up a card table up on the sidewalk and take household items out there and try to sell them to passersby. And I think I was about eight years old and I kind of really liked that whole selling stuff and making money part and it kind of took hold. So, um, I, pardon the interruption of the show, but I have to tell you that the show clips out just now. And does it one more time within the hour and a half for about 10 or 15 seconds. This clip out here, what you miss is Renee just talking about her childhood, uh, being in small group classes, etc. And just a a little minor background childhood, but only about 10 seconds or so. The interruption was longer than you missed. So one more to come. Back to the show. Club with an Apple II in it. And there were five kids in the computer club because... We were, how many nerds there were in the school at the time. And out of the five, four started software companies during the Internet era. Oh. So that was pretty interesting statistics about it. And so um, just before the Internet took off, I actually was one of the first online cigar retailers on Earth. Um, we had a little itty-bitty cigar shop, and I had a bunch of Microsoft execs that suddenly discovered we had Cubans. So we would ship them Cubans. They would give us cash. Again, I like this business model. (laughs) And uh, they called me one day and said, oh, there's this thing called the Internet. And uh, we're thinking about getting in on it. Would you like this thing called a web page? And we said, sure. So uh, all of a sudden, we were selling Cuban cigars mail order to the States. And uh, within a couple of years, my client list were... Schwarzenegger and Michael Douglas and uh, later on I found out that Richard Cheney was Dick Cheney (laughs) wow yeah anyways that was an interesting industry so there's a lot of parallels between the cigar boom in the 90s and cannabis except at the time when I was selling cigars they were clamping down on smoking and I joked at the time that we'd be better off selling weed in our store. It would be way more popular. <laughs> and uh, it's true. 
And this is the cut number two for 15 seconds. I just filled my voice in instead of long silence, where she talks about some awesome celebrities that she was selling cigars to. Sorry you missed it. Back to the show. Internet era and had fun. And then, uh, yeah, that just sort of ended. And right around the same time that the Canadian government was looking for people to commercialize. So, man, what a transition. I've, you know, I've never heard um, <clears throat> anybody make any comparison to uh, the cigar business in the 90s to marijuana now. I mean, when you see it now, you know what? Everybody wants the connection for the best grown stuff. and Yeah, this is just Cubans. 3.0, right? Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the way that the boy side of the market's been playing this, is it's bro culture, it's bong culture, it's, you know, goes back to the 70s, you know, hence why we've got Snoop and Marley and Cheech all on the brand faces, and the ironic thing about it is, is like, if you're actually in this industry, um, and you're especially near the medical side of the business, uh, it's got absolutely nothing to do with any of that. Nothing. What would you say the culture is like? Mm. Well, see, the difference is, it could, I guess it depends on which side of the border you're on. Up here, because medical is either entirely illegal and widespread and prevalent and as common as Kleenex, um, in despite of the government's best efforts, um, or it's 25 licensed vertical monopolies all banded together in disarray. Um, so I don't see we see the actual expression of medical yet, but it's got nothing to do with celebrities. Um, it's about healthcare, And the big difference between Canada and the United States is we have a socialist healthcare system. So I tend to approach the view of, of medicine under the same socialist viewpoint, which is, if it's medicine, it's supposed to make you better. It's not about the profit motive. But somebody's got to pay for it, so we need better systems to say who's going to do that. Uh, but on the commercial side, yeah, sure, Snoop's got a role to play. Uh, everybody's got a role to play on that side of it because it's about consumers making choices. And if you think that buying weed because Bob Marley's family licensed something, great, yay. Um, but it doesn't mean uh, anything <laughs> in the long run. Um, I, I, I laugh at some of the attempts at strain branding because I remember the 80s, Northern Lights number one, woohoo. Uh, okay, relevance now, zero. Um, anything with the word grape in it, seriously? I mean, that's nice to try once, but you're not going to eat that forever. This is Ben and Jerry's dilemma. You know, great freaking idea, but who wants a million gallons of coconut, you know, ripple pistachio crap right <laughs> so yeah. you know this is a baby industry we're acting like we're freaking coca-cola and pharma you know we're just experimenting we have no idea what stupid ideas to try next and everything works there's an audience for anything you know we keep concentrating it and there's a market for it now there's youtube videos of people dabbing concentrates that in the 80s you would have thought was heroin you know, it's a different culture, and, and this is part of it, is that we've been turned against each other because of our own segment that we're interested in, right? You know, you've got the folks that just want to get wasted. So what? Uh, there's a market for that. I got no problem with it. I'm a capitalist. Uh, people want to use it as a medicine because it is a medicine. Great. Again, I got no problem with that. I'm a capitalist. 
Uh, people want to use it because it brings people together and it's social. Again, I got no problem with that. I don't have any problem with how people want to use cannabis. I don't like pre-designing monopolies. I don't like pre-configuring an industry when you usually have the right-wing government saying government needs to keep out of industry, you know, it's got to keep its fingers out. Government can't pick winners, but on cannabis, yeah, we can pick the winners because we like these people. Um, you know, they're hypocrites. And so for me, cannabis has to be the biggest tent possible. It's got to include the most number of people possible. It's got to be as diverse as possible and consider every new system as it develops and not bulletproof old ones. I, I couldn't agree more. And in Florida, I like how you're pointing that out because a lot of people are so focused on just trying to get it either decriminalized or legalized, etc., that they don't see the formation behind it being set up to control it. You know, in Florida... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always about structure. You know, whenever you look at anything, you have to look at the structure and then look at the benefit. What does the structure benefit? And then once the structure is built, its entire purpose is tied to maintaining that structure. It's not going to look at alternatives. It's not going to say, hey, yeah, what a great idea. If you had more craft growers involved, you could reduce the costs. Yeah, no, they don't want that. So, again, self-interest is one of the biggest problems I see right now because we're too early. Um, this is not the time for consolidation crap. This is not the time for massive brand plays unless you want to see the dot-com period again. Everyone remember at-home networks? <laughs> you know, come on, really. Um, you know, just because you were a billion-dollar company doesn't mean in three years you're not going to be out of work looking for a job, you know, even in cannabis. Sorry, it's not hard to grow. That's why we call it weed, baby. Right. So, you know, this isn't like you can get a hammer lock on it. And so if you start using legalisms to protect it, like, oh, well, we we've got the right to CBD. No, you don't, you idiot. It, it's in the plant. Now, if you want to manufacture some new Star Trek molecule that you've got to combine, you know, laser energy and nuclear reactors and pop out some brand new wonder miracle drug and you want to patent it for 30 years, fill your boots. Uh, but guess what, company? Uh, weed came from nature. People have been looking after it. You're just benefiting from thousands of years of other people looking after it while you spat at it. So, sorry, too bad. I want people to just keep moving forward. Stop having this idiotic conversation about who's right. Okay? Just keep doing what you're doing. Double down more. We need more dispensaries, more growers. Stop asking permission. Just set them up. Has anyone noticed they can't stop us? So let's just keep doing more. We'll keep yapping as we go. Talk while we walk. Talk while we walk. All this stopping is just making my teeth ache. Oh, man, so much to respond there. You'd think we learned something from the food industry. I mean, we did that with food, right? We we yep. we. we consolidated it all to the very few companies that make it and now they printing press poison for the most part and here we go trying to resort back to an organic green lifestyle for health you think i mean this should be like the the, the marijuana renaissance yeah but, yeah but i mean the the problem is again this comes down to money but it's because that the the first money to strike is always the the evil money right yeah those are the ones that you know they they hedge 
You know, they they pay for the prison corporations, but they got money waiting to pay for weed when it becomes legal. Um, the money doesn't have a conscience and people need to just get over expecting it to. Part of our outrage is when corporations act badly because we think they're people, but they're not. They're a machine that was legally constructed to do one thing, make investors a return on their investment. And it doesn't matter what a CEO says they, they, they want to do, heal the planet, feed the sick, the starving. Uh, the reality of it is corporate law says, yeah, no, no, no. If there's money to be made, it's coming back to all the different percentages. And there doesn't have to be a social contract. There doesn't have to be acknowledgement of environmental overburden. They don't have to look at externalities and their pricings. Um, they can socialize cleaning up a coal mine, but damn well, if you privatize the, you know, that it was state land in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at. And this is break number three on the show where it went away for 20 seconds and she compared the land to where she's basically saying it should be an open free market that capitalists and no one should own it, that everyone should get a shot at marijuana, just like the coal mine days. Back to the show handed over licenses to people let them grow it let them sell it let them pay taxes everybody wants to be in this industry why are we keeping them out it's ridiculous yeah i mean in the weed renaissance right now is when amazing things get discovered and it sparks new markets and i love it because when you mentioned you know there's no strain branding and you see that sometimes people trying to be you know the weed king or all this other stuff and i mean you <laughs> well, it's know, cute and it's very P.T. Barnum, but it's pretty idiotic in short term. Um, it, it, you know, there's no major brand that's ever succeeded by playing the clown, you know. And, you know, you look at that organize. So basically what's a dispensary? It can't ever be a, a, a freaking brand of weed. Time moves on. Weed changes. So a dispensary has to be a service. You know, Starbucks isn't coffee. It's convenient, quick service, consistent everything you can want with whipped cream on it serve again i apologize for this 20 second split this was an important part but we come back to it because i realized it cut out but um she goes on to talk about a service that's provided rather than separating by brand strain um which i thought was big because we understand that there's all kinds of strains that people create for you know awards etc and they try to uh brand strain what it is they do and uh, she was making a comparison to brand straining is old school, um, and it's more about providing a service, etc. And she does start into talking about how it was an all-boys club of business back in the day and how she's trying to break that mold and bring the women uh, out of it as well, women getting into business and moving into cannabis. So that's where we pick up, but uh, I will bring back up the brand straining discussion later in the show. So uh, thank you. And again, apologize. And back to the show. Women being involved in this discussion and not crowded out of it. Yeah. You, you mentioned the boys game earlier with the Cuban cigars and the, the good old boys system, if you will. And then, you know, it's the same people, I mean, I sat around the council of 13 way back. They're just the original license holders in Canada and it felt like, you know, being at a cigar dinner back in the 90s. Um, it, it, it was not representative of the industry I know or you would know. It, it, it doesn't represent any of the consumers we know or the patients we know. So how is that industry ever going to serve it? 
you know, Richard Branson didn't create his empire saying, I want to build an airline. You know, he started doing other shit based on his passion and grew it outwards. And then when he got to airlines, he says, I want to make these airlines the way I do my other businesses. He didn't invent planes, you know. So there's, there's I think, um, some amazing people that just aren't being heard because we like the, the, the jokers. You know, we like controversy. We like the, we still have this very teenage male um, obsession with uh, stoner movies. And I get it. I love Seth. Believe me, Mr. Rogan, homeboy, uh, you know, love the man. Um, but that's part of the reason why farmers in fucking Iowa vote against this. It's part of the reason why Ted Cruz can stand on a platform and mouth off idiocies. But if you say, hey, Ted, you got a mom? Yeah. Does she have diabetes? Chances are pretty freaking good. Yeah. Doesn't it suck for her? Yeah, she's always in pain, you know. Really? Because there's this cream that'll make that go away. Really? Because the doctors can't do anything with the chemicals we got. We'll try this. Oh, wow, mom feels better. Guess what I have to vote on now? Okay, Ted Cruz is an idiot. Who cares? But he's got a mom. He's got a sister. You know, he's got daughters that are having sex, whether he likes it or not, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff in Ted's life that just doesn't really have anything to do with his opinion, and Weed's one of them. Yeah, Let's he, work around the bastards. Yeah, he's he's scary, man. You know, and part of the problem in, in the estates is what we have is this reactive-based medicine approach. And like you said, business is set up for profit, and so insurance controls the medical, and insurance is a profit-based company. So controlling your health care, therefore, is a corporate-based bottom line of profit. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the U.S. system is kind of a unique kind of tumor on the concept of health care, right? No one else in the world has done it the way you did, and you guys are proud of that fact. Yeah, everyone else is a socialist construct, but not us. Not it. us. No, baby. We're capitalist all the way. Uh, yeah, not so much for, you know, 70% of y'all. Uh, for the 30 top percent, if you've got the bucks, yeah, the U.S. is the best damn country in the world for health care. You know, the next time I need something major like a brand new cloned liver out of a sheep's eyeball or something, <laughs> I'm going to the Mayo, baby. We ain't got that stuff in Canada. You know, here I got to get in line with every other schmuck because rich people don't cut lines. Guess why? We're all citizens. So I kind of view my weed the same way, you know, is that. The, the, this industry that we're building and this product is about everyone's health and everyone's mental wellness. Um, and so I get that corporations want to play fine, but you can't tell no one else to play. Yeah. And now I've heard rumors, but it, I don't know if this stuff is true, but I hear in the States that because it's still federally illegal, that these multinational corporations will use people like the DEA, et cetera, to shut down small mom and pop shops and then they just kind of pick up the slack or or they're buying out people or I mean, they're just kind of taking over, like you said, and setting up. There aren't really any multinationals. They're trying multinationalism. So like, you know, Israelis made investment in a Canadian licensed producer, um, but their great idea was to sell weed that doesn't get you high. Hmm. And the problem is we're still at the point where that's not enough of a business model. Right. Right. Um, 
it, so here's the here's the ugly truth no one wants to admit on Wall Street. Okay, we're lying that this is about healthcare and medicine. Uh, we really want to sell drugs uh, and make a lot of money at it, but we can't say that because it's not politically correct to do so. So we're going to obfuscate it. We're going to talk about pharma, and we're going to obfuscate it and talk about you know, standards and, you know, a range of other things and whatnot. But really all it is is uh, waiting for recreational weed to become Bud and Miller. And the liquor guys, they're sitting back waiting. Hey, you know, we can get money in this somehow. We don't know how, but we've got money now. We'll wait. Uh, who knows where big tobacco sitting on the fence, but I have a big theory that they want nothing to do with this industry. When you're already chained to the tree in town square with a sign saying, beat me with a stick. I don't think you want more body mass for them to hit with a stick. Mm. You, you right. Really, you really don't think like say, um, uh, Philip Morris or somebody will, uh, try to press marijuana cigarettes no. or something. How much money have they lost to the states and federal governments in class action lawsuits since 1980? Do you think that they, uh, whatever they're left with at the moment, you think the government's not going to say, great, you got another source of revenue, we're taking the rest? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is a case of where they could get into this. They're not into a beating. They got beat. They got beat real good. They learned that when the government turns on you, it can really turn on you, especially when there's a religious war against smoking that the populace gets behind. You know, you don't have to worry about that in oil. Everyone has a car, so everyone's culpable, right? Yeah. Everyone's for the environment, but not so much for walking, right? But right. With, with smoking, dying is kind of a direct consequence, so pretty easy to get people on the bandwagon. Uh, but I also see for cannabis half our problem was the success and the idiotic success of the California anti-smoking hysteria, right? Labels on a building saying, warning, this building may contain carcinogens known to cause cancer, blah, because they have smoking rooms on floor five. Hmm. Okay, you've now turned it into a moral issue. Smoking equals bad person. Well, that started before we started talking about weed legal, right? So for the rest of us smoking weed, not only do we have to justify it makes you crazy and your daughter is pregnant, uh, but it's also ultimately bad for you because you smoke it, right? And then we spend our time going, well, you don't have to smoke it, man. You can eat it. Well, that just makes them even more creeped out, right? Yeah. So it's the wrong conversations. And th there's a perfectly legitimate conversation we can have about getting baked. There's nothing wrong with that. But that can't be the whole freaking face of the industry because not everybody in the world that votes does that for a living or a, a hobby or a passion. You know, I love cigars. I love selling cigars. Think I can walk through a crowded mall smoking one? No. Most people, 99.99% will resent my guts for it. You know, it, I, I can't really convince everybody about the wonderful qualities of cigars at that moment, right? not the conversation uh for cannabis if we want it through the door we got to normalize it and what's more normal than tylenol where do you buy tylenol freaking everywhere are we worried about the fact you can buy tylenol everywhere we probably should be but we're really not you know we can buy booze everywhere i've never heard of anybody unless you're in some part of the south or a red county 
where you can't get liquor if you want it, even if you're 16 for crying out loud. I know 16-year-olds that can get meth. I can't get meth. I'm a mature adult. I have a job and a family. I can't get meth, but any high school student can get meth. So, you know, for me, this is more about giving people what they want in a controlled manner because we've been fighting it, fighting it, fighting it without there ever actually being a reason. It's like a zombie apocalypse that we just keep voluntarily joining and we just join the, the herd of ah, legalization, legalization, and nothing ever fucking happens. You know how it's legal? If everybody's doing it and the person that says, hey, don't, they all go, fuck you. That's how it works. Then it's legal. Um, it's only illegal when more people are going, no, you can't do that. Then there's more of them than you. That's how they beat you with a stick. But 80% of Canadians have smoked weed. Guess what they learned? Don't make you crazy. Doesn't get your daughters pregnant. Helps. Not a gateway drug. (laughs) Exactly, right? Not a gateway. So none of the lies stick on anybody below 70 anymore, (laughs) right? And and so the reality of it is you're just left with the fact that now you got a bunch of grumpy old boomers aging out that, quite frankly... Uh, are already on a cornucopia of statins and blood pressure and, you know, joints are all destroyed because guess what? No, I want to go rock climbing, you know? Um, All the stuff that you did when you were 30 and still thinking you were smart, you're paying for in spades now. And quite frankly, you say to anybody in that demographic, if you grew up in the 70s or 80s, here's a bottle of something made by Glaxo, and here's a bag of weed, doesn't really matter what we're talking about your condition is, they'll go with the weed. You know, this this isn't really an issue. It's a problem for Glaxo. Yeah, up till now, they've been able to say our stuff is the only thing you can do for diabetes. Well, guess what? We've discovered not true. Well, guess what? You can say, well, no, you can't do that. But, well, no, we just figured out how to do it. We can actually make it in our own labs, in our own garages, and hand it out to sick people. And there's really nothing you can do. And I dare you to arrest sick people, right? And this is kind of why, kind of why I want to see more unity between LGBT and cannabis in the States. Uh, you want cannabis to come out of the closet, baby? Guess what? I know people that can do that for you. <laughs> they, they got lots of experience and issues of being shameful about what you do in the privacy of your own home. We can explain to you how to come out and how to explain it to others. We're good at it. Interesting marketing approach and social movement at the same time. Oh, why not? And I dare you, if you want to go and have a smoking area, go put it at a pride festival. I dare them to stop it. (laughs) You know, you go tell a couple thousand really hopped up gay people not to do anything. They walk (laughs) around naked. Okay. Smoking weed's the least of the police's issues during that week. Okay, so you want to bring weed out, do it when there's a bunch of gay people angry about other stuff. Tell gay people that this is medicine because it is. Then try to take away their medicine. Didn't work for Reagan. Things got real ugly. So this is this is a thing that I noticed when I spoke in Denver. I had women coming up embracing me after I spoke, whispering in my ear, I'm a lesbian. They couldn't say it out loud. And I'm like, you're in weed. What the fuck? (laughs) Seriously. Okay. If there's an industry where you can stand on a box and say, I grow weed, I'm a lesbian, 
you're going to have a whole bunch of sisters saying, fine, I'll buy your weed, sister. Um, this isn't really complicated, you know, but, the, you know, they didn't for some reason think I could stand out, be that and grow weed. Sorry. No, 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 honey. Um, you're already succeeding. Uh, you just need to succeed openly as you so that other kids growing up can dream about being a weed entrepreneur. Okay. My motto during that show is fuck, it gets better. Okay. That's not good enough. It's got to get goddamn fabulous, right? Yeah. What was the uh, conference on? I know it was support of Women Grow. Uh, well, it was, yeah, it was Women Grow uh, in particular, and it's a huge organization. 1,300 women showed up. It's a, it was over 1000 bucks a ticket. So guess how many women in the organization didn't go? A bunch. Right? And so that's women in this industry, and it cuts across every segment of it. You've got growers, you've got tincture makers, you've got caregivers, you've got nurses, doctors, uh, business people that want to be on, in the industry. And what's interesting is I've been to lots and lots of cannabis trade shows, and they're kind of like AVN, right? Uh, the adult video network, yeah, you know, right. the porn shows. Right. Um, this is just weed porn um it's the same booze the same pardon my term douchebags and t-shirts with booth girls um it's just a different kind of porn but that doesn't actually represent what's actually going on in your community you know that isn't what you and your friends do you know you do not like uh, uh, there is a market for a thousand dollar hand glow that glass dab bong i i agree um but that's not really the industry that's a nuance. It's a segment. It's a micro portion. Um, everything really is. This is the biggest industry there could possibly be. And everything is just a, a refraction. I'm old school. I like grinding it up and rolling it in a piece of paper. Always works. I've never lost a part. Um, I can't plug it in. The, the, you know, the electricity's out. Um, I don't have oil. For, you know, it's just I, I've gotten so old and grumpy in my old age that I just like touching it. I like rolling it up and I like smoking it. And I appreciate, though, that other people don't. They want to do all sorts of magical and wonderful things to it. But when I look at old people where they've got, you know, gimpy toes, uh, they want a cream they can rub on it. And that's got nothing to do with brand. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, with all the talk about, you know, the image that it puts off, what's the conversation we should be having? You know, what what are the points? Because I, I agree with you that the, you know, you call them nuances. Uh, they're almost nostalgic, you know, those well, ideas. Very much, and they're very, very much adolescent. I was a teenage dude, okay? I had a tie-dyed shirt. I had a poster of Jimi Hendrix on my wall. I fell in love with black lights. I, I, I drew, uh, uh, you know, under black lights with highlighters under mushrooms, right? Everybody goes through that. But the problem is, is I think, is that business guys, when they get a bunch of money and have had to walk the straight and narrow for several decades, when they go through their midlife crisis, they also have a corporate midlife crisis. <laughs> and now all of a sudden they got a bunch of money. And the next thing you know, Woody Harrelson's opening a dispensary in Hawaii. He became a movie star the long way around because he really just wants to be a drug dealer like he was in high school. Okay, <laughs> great. It's just a, it's a better, higher class version of it, right? And that's fine, but that's not representational of this market's potential. 
women have 50% of the population and virtually none of the mind space. You open up any cannabis magazine, walk up to it, what do you got? Usually half of them have got a bikini on the front cover, right? Mm -hmm. How does that even remotely come across as inclusive, representative, or even a, I mean, that's a Hefner thing, right? That's still playing with being Hefner. And this uh, urge to have a Playboy mansion with women in bikinis smoking bongs, getting high. Uh, great. That's a great music video. Uh, women don't feel too good about that image and won't vote for you because of that. You know, that doesn't mean anything to the wife of a farmer in Iowa trying to figure out what to do about her husband's leukemia. Right. That means absolutely nothing. But letting her know that there's treatments for it or her uncle's prostate cancer, or her son's seizures because of, you know, epilepsy. All of that's relevant. It's got nothing to do with rap. It's got nothing to do with country music. You know, this is the thing is like we're, we're sort of approaching this industry ass backwards. We're starting with marketing and sales, but we don't know what the fuck the product is. Mm, do you see any potential downside of this in the future? Well, yeah, if we give too much control now, we limit its possibility. I'm a Darwinian capitalist, okay? So I believe that you let a thousand flowers bloom under the same condition in the same soil, but based on what the hell they do with themselves in the dark, um, some succeed better than others and go on to do better. Um, but this pre-constructed gate system that we build is not Darwin. It is not capitalism. It's constructing a Soviet store system. These are licensed producers. Please come in. What do you have for sale? What do we have on shelf? Oh, that's only one shoe. Yes, we have left. Oh, okay, when do I get the right? Who knows? <laughs> okay, thanks. That's kind of what the system is. Even when I went to Colorado, compared to the... So when you look at the product on the street that you get from a guy who grows and you compare it to what you find in a container in a dispensary in Colorado, they're not close. You know, they've got no humidity in Colorado and apparently never sold cigars in their state before because the concept of dry cigars would never happen. Hmm. But dry bone dry weed that rattles when you shake it. That's just the norm, baby. Um, so again, if that's all you can get, it's gold, you know? So again, market, local market conditions, what you get, how they make you package it determines what comes out of the end product. You know, when it's bone dry, the terpenes are gone. You know, there's a whole range of things that, you know, are sort of done. We don't even know how to package this shit yet, but we're running naked down the street yelling, woo, buy my weed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we're stuck in this, thousand and one one-off starbucks everybody inventing roasting coffee and inventing all their own unique coffee drinks and every time you walk into a coffee shop you have to start over on the basic concept of coffee what do you have oh we have all this what is that well it's this i don't know what that is but okay what's that oh it's this have you ever tried dabbing what's dabbing well you need a thousand dollars worth of equipment and a blowtorch <laughs> What? Okay, I, I, I have chemo. Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't thinking of picking up freebasing as I went. Okay. Um, so again, it's just, I love that we're at this infancy, but we take ourselves with this 
this Che Guevara-esque seriousness, you know, that it's a life and death knife fight over who's right when really none of us have a freaking clue. You know, this is brand spanking new. It used to be this shit grew everywhere. You used it if you needed it. No one really thought about it, right? No one really gave a rat. And then for a hundred years, we've been bashing our faces in, throwing people in jail, shooting people, building helicopter fleets and drones and just going nuts. And, you know, if we just threw a bunch of seeds all over the place, it would just grow. It doesn't really care what we do. It'll be here. So I'm just saying, let's declare truce. Okay, we, we've been yapping about this drug war. We're the other half of the equation. Okay, so a truce is a truce. The drug war is over. It's over on our side, too. No more pointing fingers at each other saying, oh, you're, you're a capitalist. I just want to grow medicine for people because the earth sprouts it from her womb. Fine. I believe that. You should be allowed to do that. But if you commercialize that, grow it up and call yourself Earth Mother Incorporated, but don't want to pay taxes, screw you. Okay. You know, you want to be a hippie and give it, be a hippie and give it, hon. We won't send you to jail. But the moment you get that capitalist twinkle in your eye, you're part of the club. You got to get a license. You got to walk with Jesus like the rest of us. That's the rule. Uh, and the excitement that would be open to so much of that. I mean, I love that notion. You got me smiling over here. I'm like, I'm cheesing your ear with the, that thought of going. I mean, it sounds almost libertarian to a point with that notion. Look, grow what you want to, but listen, we've put a million dollars into what we do. So look, we're going to kick your ass in the store, but if you want to grow your local, do it. I mean, that's the free market capitalist exactly. side. That was the way capitalism was meant to start. That was what Adam Smith saw when he wrote those books. He did not foresee uh, Omnicorp International. He did not see Wall Street. That did not exist when Adam Smith wrote it. He was dealing with the state of the industry as we see dispensaries now. Merchants, cooperatives forming. He saw that and the thing he warned against was the government trying to prevent that, to regulate it, to prevent it from its natural course of evolution. We've got a 2,000 demand and a supply of one. What are we fighting over again? None of us can grow enough to ever be sitting on a pile of marijuana. Even if we had a pile of marijuana we couldn't sell, we'd still smoke it. <laughs> so who's the loser in that scenario, right? Somebody. It's not like you're having to raise cows for slaughter at an altar somewhere. You know, this is about growing weed. It's the happiest thing in the world. And I keep coming back to the Joker's thing of why so glum? You know, and everybody's glum and it's because we're stuck in this talking rut. Screw it. You want to grow weed? Go grow weed. You want to sell it to people? Go put it in a dispensary. Guess what? Nobody's going to jail anymore. It doesn't seem to be happening. And if you can convince everybody in your town that it's a good idea, convince the mayor that they're going to make money off it and they tell their sheriff not to play nice, guess what? You just took your town. Enough towns happen, you take a state. Invite more people into capitalism. You figure out how to get Houston oil boys 20 to 50 to invest in weed. War's over. War's over. You know, more money in oil. Oh, my God. If you add up the, the next 10 years and you look at if we were to legalize medical and recreational North America, $20 trillion a year industry. Okay, that's bigger than health care defense and oil and gas combined so again 
What's the problem? I don't see a problem. There is no problem. You know what the problem is? They're used to sitting on top of the pyramid, right? They, the yeah. big troika they, sitting they on top, looking down on everybody. Uh, guess what? No, no, no. Weed is the first truly socialist capitalist thing that's ever managed to plop into our lap. It's socialist because no one owns it. Everyone can do it. It's capitalist because other people are lazy bastards and want you to do it for them. So what's wrong with that? That means that everyone can play. This is the harmony. This is the singularity everyone was freaking out about. It wasn't computers. So everyone suddenly going, oh, shit, we can make money and get high and make people feel better and it doesn't kill you. What the fuck are we fighting about? I, I love this argument, man. I'm you're you know what? I'm with you. Fuck it. So many people are they are, and I'm fucking one of them. I've been arguing and fighting and fuck it, right? You know, I like the idea because once you kind of do stop saying, hey, we're done shooting ammo at you, it's already happened. Hell, in New York, I read an article the other day that people took the legalization as decriminalization, so they're just smoking in the streets everywhere, so nobody really yeah, gives a fuck. Yeah, see, I mean, you got to go back to the 60s, why they call it a movement. When everybody steps forward at the same time, y'all move right and this is a revolution it keeps coming back same problem someone's saying don't do something why because we don't like you to doesn't matter if it was black once now it's cannabis doesn't matter if it was gay once it's cannabis it's all interrelated it's all the same root problem it's i don't like it you can't do it well guess what it's over it's over now so you want to be a lesbian hippie commune in mendocino that only sells to women under a full moon, you're allowed to. I, I support that, and you've got a market. If you want to be a bunch of redneck hillbillies in Arkansas that grow the greatest white pride weed ever and only sell it to your clan buddies, again, I have no fundamental problem with the concept as long as you do it within the legal framework and nobody gets hurt. Yeah, on you the, know, this, is, okay. this, this is inclusive. Yeah, on the and on the political side, you know, I see a, a an a issue is because it's the right wing Republicans that are considered the capitalist, free market, government out of business people. You got it. But take the, away their baby, sunshine. Take away their baby. But but they happen to also be the ones that are anti all this shit. And yep. but they're also the ones behind the scenes structuring organizations like you talked about in the beginning, vertical monopolies that own this shit. Yeah, but no, but money doesn't like it. Money's only building it because someone else is too lazy to sell it to them. Okay, <laughs> money doesn't like building shit. You know, have you ever looked at those guys? They don't like building things. <laughs> you know, they're sort of like the hawk that perches on the telephone line waiting for a pigeon, okay? So if we want to win over, we got to give them a different pigeon to go after, okay? Up till now, they've been going after all this other good stuff, and they're having fun. Every legislator that's anti-weed is funded by right-wing money. Well, yep. guess what? Show money how to breed better in the dark. Their money rules that, not them. So how do we do they it? They don't tell money. They follow money. Oh. You go and bring Houston into it. You bring oil money into weed. And basically, they don't know shit about weed. And, and the, the lovely factor about weed, I find it to be socially corrupting. You can come into it a hard, bitten-ass capitalist, but and, and you could even be Mormon and never touch the stuff, but the moment you light that first bowl, that first joint, 
you're lost to your kind forever and have become one of our tribe. And that's the loveliness of it is that our message is simple. Oh, you think this is that? Try this. Uh-huh. Now you understand? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Right. Okay. And now we can move on. Um, this isn't about arguing with people that have a moral argument about it. It's finding a different way to have a moral argument with them. Mm. You know, when I deal with someone that says this is against God, I say, do you believe in a intelligent design? Absolutely. So you believe your body was designed down to the molecule by the great creator? Absolutely. Why do he give you an endocannabinoid system? <laughs> they, you're not using it. So between you and me, who's the one out of favor with the great creator that built their body? I'm using the system that they gave me to make me healthy in the way they intended me to use it. You're the one denying it from working. I'm afraid you're the one that's out of step with God on the subject of marijuana. This is, you know, we're not having to yell back at them. We just have to explain, no, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, and there are those people, too, which I, there are, for me, they're an, an anomaly, but they exist to where people really just won't do things in the States just purely if it's illegal. If it's just against the law, they just won't fuck with it. I know, but but again, those are good people. And this is how agreed, they were agreed. raised by their moms and pops to be, right? They were told to not break the law, to listen to the police officer, look both ways before crossing the street, wear clean underwear. They're good people, and we can't attack them by saying, well, you're an idiot. Right. Okay. No, what we need to say is, I'm not asking you to smoke marijuana, for God's sakes, and I'm not asking you to sell your kids baggies of weed and get them high either. I'm saying, do you have menstrual cramps? We can help you with that. Do you have glaucoma, that old one? Yeah, we can help you with that one. But do you actually have nerve pain? Do you have uh, endopathic pain? Do you have Crohn's? Do you have colitis? Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have migraines? Do you have epilepsy? Yeah, those things we can help you with. If you don't want to get high, feel free. You don't have to get high. No one's making you get high. There is not a conspiracy of hippies everywhere trying to make religious, straight, white people stone um, not going to happen if you don't want to get high don't get high but if you have uh, an inflammatory disease of the joints we actually have something over here that can help you uh, now that we've informed you you're an idiot if you don't use it that's your problem and we're going to point at you and laugh now yeah and you know i want to make a, a left turn too out of the medical is because you know me being a um well, i guess yeah, i'm a mental health counselor i'm in mental training practice is what I do. I don't really do full-on therapy anymore. But, um, you know, from the mental health side and the replacement, I mean, it could, in my opinion, replace probably the top three psychotropic medications. Uh, for oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, the replace, see, I think, I don't think that, that the drug companies are actively against marijuana because they've read the writing on the wall. I don't think they're that smart. Okay. They're trapped in 10-year drug development cycles. They're still sweating out the decisions they made a decade ago. Mm. You know, all they do is live off their patents. It's not really about this frontier of discovery crap. 80% of their stuff never hits the whiteboard anyways, right? Mm -hmm. And then by the time they trick something through uh, the FDA approval a decade's down the road. So, you know, their life isn't good either. Um, they're not really raping in the big money that they used to. Uh, there's all sorts of conflicts. 
you make a molecule that helps half your patients and winds up giving half the other ones cancer. Uh, wow. Okay. It's not really a great business model. And you have to, you know, honestly believe that most people aren't truly evil. And so, you know, everybody in this industry, you brought up insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody misunderstands what insurance is. I used to be an insurance broker among my many lives. And the fundamental thing about insurance is they want to collect premiums and never pay out. Okay, that's their business model. It's got nothing to do with anything else you're talking about. That's their fundamental core business model. Collect premiums, never pay out. So they only like long, long sure bets. So the less you do, the likely them to have to pay you out while milking you for as many premiums as they can, the better. That's why they invented actuarial tables. They can look at your lifestyle, what you do to yourself, and come up with a pretty good mathematical prediction of how much money they're going to make off before they have to pay out your life benefit yep. or the medical benefit or the whatever. Yep. And so the conversation that nobody's been having with the insurance companies is, okay, Let's screw your life insurance. Let's not even talk about it because that just makes my teeth ache. Let's talk about medical health care coverage. Right now, you're an insurance plan. So what was your business model? You want to collect money but never pay it out. So wouldn't it be better if you had people that when they got sick, got healthier quicker? Yeah. Okay. And what if when they got sick, what you gave them didn't make them actually worse and cause a cascade of problems that caused you progressively more and more money as an insurance company when all of a sudden you're dealing with alcohol and drug addiction for a broken shoulder that happened five years earlier because they were prescribed oxy, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can take the insurance company and say, hey, look, someone who uses cannabis is less likely to reach for oxy in the first place. Problem solved. If someone is given the choice between cannabis and oxy, unless they're a hillbilly looking for a fix, uh, you'll probably go with cannabis. If you actually told somebody what oxy was, rather than just making it a nice clean prescription and take it home, you'll feel better, uh, no one would take it. If you told them that there's an 80% chance you're going to become addicted to it and then possibly become a heroin user within five years, Eh, most people probably wouldn't take it for the broken shoulder. You'd suck it up, right? Yeah, when I was in <laughs> when I was in clinical practice, I'd tell you, you know, thirty to forty percent of the people sitting in those rehabs were just like that. There was no preventative counseling. It was here's your surgery. Here's a bottle of the most highly addictive substance on the planet. Have a good day. That makes you feel good. Here's the thing about oxy that nobody wants to talk about. You take dilated, you want to puke your toenails out, right? Mm. But the pain goes away. You take oxy. You fucking feel good. You know what? There should be an unwritten rule in pharmacy um, that says anything that's designed to treat pain can't feel good. Mm. It's got to block the pain, but it can't feel good. Because the combination of stopping pain and making you feel good after you've been agony, I think that's the addiction curve. Yeah, I, I think it's going from the basement to the top of the skyscraper, not from ground level. Not earning that back in a slow process. That's true. And then your pain, pain receptors just die over time anyway. So it becomes progressively more than your liver, your kidneys, and good God. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, with the insurance companies, the message we need to say, cannabis lets you keep more money. 
I, dude, you are so fucking direct. This is the conversation. I'm with you. This is the t- conversation people should be having, not this fucking yeah. war argument. Because if you looked at insurance companies, I can see the CEO of Allstate or Colonial Life Supplemental going, wait a minute. These motherfuckers are onto something. And not to mention that its studies are showing it's preventative in cancer. Exactly. Yeah. We're not starting the conversation with, hey, assholes, we want to tell you something. And you're going to listen because we're hippies. Uh, yeah, never worked, never will work. Insurance is the single most conservative by legal definition industry on earth. Mathematically. Okay, by legal, legal definition. Their job is to minimize risk at all freaking costs. It's the nature of what insurance is. So if you go to them and say, look, here's current health care. Here's how it's costing you billions of profits, billions of profits. You can't say costing consumers money. That, that's not their particular problem to solve. That's not their nut to crack. Their nut to crack is return on investment to shareholders. Why do you want to still hold my stock, trust fund? Why do you want to own my stock, major bank? Um, it's because we're making money. You know, we don't flatline. We hockey stick around here, right? That's the rule. And so that's what cannabis can do. Microsoft's greatest problem it did so well for a decade. Guess what? You better do well for another decade, bitch. But who the fuck can? It was software. It was desktops. It was number of computers on earth and people giving a shit. We're talking about weed. Weed. Everybody who's tried it usually tries it a second time to go, mm, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so we're not having to convince a market of its need. I, I, we're not Steve Jobs coming up with the 29th wow. music player. Right. And right. just happening to get it right. Sorry, you don't have to put a sign out and tell people what weed is. <laughs> that's done. We know what it is. We like it. It's good. We want it. We're, we're, we're good. And now we're finding out, oh, it can do that. Holy crap, it can do that. Wow, and it can do that. And that's where I think that we need to harness capitalism self-interest. If more money realizes it's got better interest over there, they'll abandon the other interests that have been punching us in the face. Man, marijuana legalization could turn in. Money's invested in Northrop Grumman right now because Northrop Grumman makes drones that they sell to the DEA. Well, guess what? If that money can invest in something that grows weed and they make more money from growing weed than making drones, guess what? No more drones. Capitalism is a really bitchy fucking democratic process that turns on incumbents in a heartbeat if it finds something sexier. It's the ultimate fat, bald lawyer, right? You know, as soon as the old one's got a year on her clock, she's gone and in comes wife number seven. Yeah. Capitalism is like that. It has no allegiances. It just simply has preferences and habits. Let's change their habit. Let's give them a new addiction. Call it cannabis. Show them, hey, guess what? There's this gold. So the example I used in Denver, there's a golden mountain that's right in front of us going up into the sky. It's so high, there's clouds obscuring the top. We don't even know how big it is. And the boys are on one side of the mountain trying to discuss what kind of truck to use. Okay, then they're discussing who should drive the truck. Then they want to know what kind of snow tires to put it on next year in case it snows. Then they want to divide up the gold that they do eventually pick up in advance based on contribution. Okay, ladies, let's go over to this golden mountain and fill our pockets and pots and pans. We'll come back and buy some trucks. 
then we'll go back, fill those trucks up and come back and buy more trucks. It'll be years before we give a shit about what kind of trucks, okay? Yeah. So the, the, the reality of it is the reason I said it to the women is they were willing to listen. All the boys were sitting off in a corner staring at their penises, marveling at how big they were. Oh, man. I'm a little bit annoying to most incumbents, you might say. Fuck it. Fuck them. I, I think this is... <laughs> man, you should be the front runner. I mean, so so far, the, the insurance argument, the war is over and just bring them across. The capitalism... I mean, because listen, let me tell you, in, in some right-wing... Look, I'm in the South. I'm in Florida, okay? I'm in the heart of this motherfucker. All right? They, oh, yeah. they still play banjos around this. You know what I mean? So... It, oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, I feel you, brother. I grew up in Alberta. My family's so north it goes south. <laughs> well, that's how it is around. And so, but that conversation, because most of them are pro capitalist, et cetera, even though that same wing is robbing them blind and taxing the shit out of them, but whatever. But, but if they could, oh my God, it, it, see that I, I love this idea of bringing, I mean, it's a global change. You could bring marijuana no, no. to. Big tent, everyone welcome. You want to make money? Come on over, grab a shovel. You know, this is the Klondike. Did you see them stopping people from humping up that fucking mountain in Alaska? No. They put up more ropes for assholes to climb up that fucking mountain. Okay? This is not about doing it. We're opening up a frontier. You do not fucking determine who gets to go into the frontier. You fucking open it up and say, go. If you're stupid enough to lead your family up Donner Pass and forgot to pack food, that's Darwin. You know, and that's kind of the way I view this industry is that there's nothing harming corporate interests. This is, in fact, as capitalist as it gets. And guess what? My my hippie brethren, my earth people that believe that everything should be free. Go for it. You know what? You're going to be joining our club when you got to pay for your electrical bill to light your freaking plants. <laughs> OK, capitalism has some very fundamental rules. You want to play? Fine. Play. Um I just, that's part of my message of equality too, to the women was stop waiting for permission from the boys in suits to say you can do this. You're already doing it. Just do more of it. I was going to ask you what, what message you just send out and you've covered all of that. And then some, well, you know, it was that. And also too, you know, if you're afraid of paperwork and this is just sort of my housekeeping gift of, uh, here's your takeaway. Um, if you're afraid of paperwork, this is not your industry. Okay. You may want to be an enthusiast, stick to smoking it. Uh, go, go be a good patron, be a loyal supporter. But if you want to work in this industry, it's effing paperwork. Okay. It's capitalism and it's a narcotic and it's a drug and it's a medicine and it's a product and it's worth a lot of money. And, uh, yeah, you love paperwork. And if you don't understand what FDA compliance means and healthcare promotion, uh, Google that shit now um, and start becoming an expert. Because if you have a delusion of playing when you light up legal, uh, they can just shoot you in the forehead because your shit just doesn't make standards. Legal isn't just letting you out of the box. It's also letting you out of the box putting a suit on you and beating you with a stick. So decide what kind of suit you want to wear when you come out of the box and put some padding on so you don't feel the stick. 
That is the best advice to all you out there that are thinking of entering this business. It's not just plan it and they shall come or, or build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't thank you enough, Renee, for doing this. Will you come on oh, again and, and stay uh, updated with us and keep uh, giving Absolutely. me the competence? Absolutely. Love to. And thank you very much for showing an interest. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm beyond interested. I got friends deep in the uh, in the field uh, who I have edged to get on the podcast, and he uh, has nonsense and goes, hell no, has to stay away from it. But uh, he's been in the middle of the mix down here and all across the the world. He was just up in your neck of the woods not long ago. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not trying to get in the business. For me, it's observing it, watching it, cheering for it, and putting the Absolutely. voice out there. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, uh, this is the thing is like, this is, this needs everyone. This needs more voices. Um, and, and, and just more people doing, and that's the only message that I'm giving is do what you're freaking doing, do more of it. And if all of us do it at the same time, it's over. I'm with you. I'm going to start talking that way now. That's, that's influential in so many ways. I mean, I, I got to, I got my marijuana education today. Thank you. <laughs> um, any, um, you want to put out websites, Twitters, uh, all the promotion, advertising, you got all the time you need. Okay. Well, uh, if anybody wants to connect on Facebook, but I am being ruthlessly sexist at the moment. I'm giving preferences to women in the cannabis industry for the time being. I noticed. Uh, boys, I noticed. boys are okay. Girls are needing a hand up. Um, but I'm on Twitter, uh, Renee M. Gagno, um, uh, wait, wait, LinkedIn, all right, all right, all right don't, get, LinkedIn. don't get upset. Cause I have tried to pronounce your last name four fucking times oh. when I've tagged you in, in, um, oh, shows. I've, de- I've dealt with it my whole life. So the last name is G A G N O N and it's pronounced Gagnon. If you're French, Gagnon. But for everyone else, you can say Gagno. Gagnon. Gone with the wind, yo-yo. I got a gunyon. All right, now I will say it right. No, that's fine. Um, when I get married to my partner in a year or two, I get to change it to Jennings. And a lifetime of, how do you pronounce that, is over. Jennings. Jennings. I can call China and say Jennings, and they'll get the spelling 99% right. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, man. Um, any? Uh, you want to put your new venture out there, your uh, website, the new one you got going? Yeah, the new company is called CannabisCenter.ca, and it's spelled the real way you spell center, so C-E-N-T-R-E. And uh, we're not live. We're not really announcing what we're up to. Uh, We will be in about 90 days. And it's basically the corporate expression of what we talked about today. Um, I want to be the hub and help other people do this thing. And so our Hollywood pitch is real simple. We are iTunes for cannabis. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that shit. I dig that. Oh, man. iTunes for cannabis, man. Taking over the world, Renee. I love it. Well, the thing is, is that when you got everybody agreeing that, you know, this is a good thing to do, it's pretty easy to sort of move it along. Um, I looked for a venture that helped everyone else succeed. And by doing that, I get to succeed. So I call that a win-win one. And uh, if I can take my sisters along with me that have been so incredibly inclusive and welcoming of me, 
um, I, I think that's a win. And each one of those women that comes along doesn't really typically want to be a Fortune 500 company founder. They want to feed their family and look after their kids and maybe send them to college. And I think that's freaking noble. And that's more to do with capitalism than stock. Oh, I love it. Any love you want to shout out? Any, um, any hellos or, um, give us yeah, some love. I want to, you know, thank a, my partner, Heather for being the best damn, you know, future wife a girl could ask for. And my daughter has supported me through all of this. And, um, you know, I, I'm blessed for my family and my community. The, the LGBT community has saved me when I came out and gave me the support and everything that I needed. And, um, in return, that's my job for the young ones coming up. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Renee, you're, you're really changing the fight, change my mind, change how the hell I'm going to talk about it and the way I'm pitching it. Thank you. Go forth, be strong, keep doing what you're doing. We can do this. Oh, we are doing it, right? We are doing it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Hey, you know what? In 90 days, when your uh, Cannabis Century Center is ready to go, you want to um, promote it here? Come on, talk about it. Absolutely. would love to. Absolutely. Uh, I, I appreciate it, Renee. Thank you uh, for that podcast, the information. I mean, the insurance way to talk about it. You know, the dialogue about the war is over uh, and crossing over on both sides, I think, was straight up important you know the recognition of capitalism really is what we're screaming here so this ideal of right-wing side capitalists looking at this industry as hippie left-wing liberal democrats got it wrong you know and i think we're proving that you know i think it's about stopping the big corporate infrastructure from owning it and taking over and allowing those like like uh, renee said the frontier should be open and I love that idea, you know, is we open up the frontier for space for private industry. You know, you want to build a rocket, go for it. I don't understand why we couldn't do that for marijuana. It's the marijuana renaissance, the weed renaissance. You know, if you want to get in the game, go ahead. If you want to put millions into it, go ahead. The game should be open. I, I like that. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And I look forward to hearing more about uh, the cannabis center that you're opening here in about 90 days. It'll be good to touch base. Uh Love chatting with you. Thanks again, Renee. Um, for those of you watching, hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. Take care.